Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, President, New Leonard Media. How are you? Hey, Ryan. I'm doing great. I got a tan, sunny beaches. That is enough of that. Our guest today is Ty Schmidt, founder, Good Works Lab here in Traverse City. Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. We were talking a little bit before we rolled about podcasts, and you have experienced podcasts before, and this is not any kind of shock to you. Well, I love listening to them. I love meeting new people, so I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, that's good. That's good. Excellent. Well, I want to start with just from the website of Good Works Lab, because it couldn't have been framed more for a perfect guest for what we do. And Good Works Lab is a one-stop shop, full-service social change agency for organizations, citizen-led initiatives and philanthropic movements that are focused on making waves in community health, mobility, and environmental sustainability. That's one big, long sentence. It sure is. (laughs) But it probably didn't start that way. You have an elevator pitch. What's the elevator pitch? I do. It's a way in this town. So I love this town. I care deeply about Traverse City. This town is full of nonprofits, and I've been a part of several of them. And I was wondering if there is another way to help solve complex community problems like climate, like mobility, like health in a way that I can also earn a living and be nimble and creative and drive change outside of the 501c3 structure. So this is very much an experiment. It's a laboratory with a lot of testing going on. That's a great way of putting it. I I was going to ask about the name and, and we'll definitely get to that, but how long has Good Works Lab been an entity officially. We're brand new here and we're just three months in as an LLC. So I formed it in November with really no plan about what we're trying to accomplish other than when I left Norte. I just wanted to continue to work with smart people. I wanted to continue to learn and I wanted to continue to make a difference for this town. I moved here 15 years ago. It was like the best move of my life. Good Works Lab is only for Northern Michigan, right? We're not going to go to Muskegon, no offense, Muskegon or uh, Grand Rapids, but yeah. you know, our work is focused up north here. I find since moving to Michigan as well that Michigan is, there's a lot of solidarity. There's a lot of, we're never leaving Michigan. We're only doing this in Northern Michigan, which I think is great. And it'd be interesting to explore kind of where that came from. Did Michigan need those, that protective layer around it? But it's great to hear you say that and to hear that passion in your voice. So what was it about Traverse City? Was it immediately that you fell in love with or did it take some time? I think it took some time and and I think I've always thought about what makes this town special and it's the people, right? We have the water, we have the dunes, we have the forests, but this town is full of amazing people. And when we moved here in 06, they were very welcoming to us. And I have never heard of Traverse City, never even been in the state of Michigan before. I married a Leelanau County girl. And after we got married and have our first son, She's like, do you want to move back home? I'm like, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So we we moved up here and bought a place on Washington Street. And it's just been life-changing. And were you in Canada at the time you had this I guess conversation? We were actually in Southern Arizona and Tucson. So we met in Tucson. It's a long story. But yeah, she was out in California doing some physical therapy uh, mm-hmm. schooling, came, met in Tucson, fell in love. Yeah, yeah. Boy, girl brings boy home. It's a pretty common story, actually. Oh, that's good. Up that's here. good. A uh, little Seinfeld reference in there to boot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. looking at Good Works Lab, how many employees, I know it's only three months in, but how, how many employees do you have right now? It's an interesting model in that there is there is one employee that is myself, but I've put together, I believe, one of the most amazing rock star teams in the North full of professionals who are really good at what they do. Researchers, strategic thinkers, engineers, planners. And in there is I go get the work and we have an agenda. It's not a consulting firm because we're not here just to help people do their organization. We're here to solve community problems like housing. So we go out and get work. So one example is like with TCAP. So we took a job with our public school system up here, trying to change the culture of health and well-being as it relates to our kids and staff. 
So there's lots of things that we've said no to, and we, we're picky about the things we work on and who we work mm-hmm. on them with. Well, I was asking my son this morning, you know, what to ask you, because it's fun to talk about people doing good and, and to see what the youth say. And his response was, every superhero has an origin story. Ask him about his origin. And I like that. I, I like the idea of people doing good as superheroes, because I do think they are. But do you have a particular story about yourself as it relates to wanting to do good? Was there a thunderclap moment when you were young or in your youth that drove you towards a life of service and a life of giving? What happened is, like Mark, I lost my dad young. And I think that was a wake-up call as to life is short, tomorrows aren't guaranteed, your tomorrows will eventually run out. What kind of life do you want to live? And... I'm a physical therapist by training, and in the clinic, I got to help a lot of people hurt less to move more, to kind of maximize the human experience through movement. And losing your dad young was this, I just want to make a difference. I want to be a good dad, a good husband, a good friend, but is there more? Can you help people that you may not even know? Can you contribute and set up a way that makes a difference with, particularly young people? I think they've had a brutal two years. And that continues to, to motivate me. Losing my dad also helped me become crystal clear of my values and what's important to me. And uh, just to try to stay true to those. Wow. Well, you've launched, you're here. <clears throat> so far, has everything gone to plan? Or have you already had to pivot? You mentioned having to Still turn some things away. Still things going to plan. It's okay. funny because like, when we brought this team together, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never run a business. I've always just kind of been a worker bee. Being in the nonprofit world is different. It's just different. And, and here, this is a for-profit enterprise. I go get work. I bring that work back to the team. I can still be in it, but I don't actually have to do it because some of these things I suck at. I don't want to do a lot of these things. I'm not good at them. But here, we have this bench full of amazing people who can. And I still right. can be creative and do the things I'm good at and build relationships right. and make connections. So from the TCAPS job, we just took on a housing job, housing advocacy, which is messy. We're also delving into mobility, particularly around the redesign of the parkway with MDOT. Sure. And we took on a project around communications with Rotary Charities. So, so far, so good. It's kind of an accounting nightmare, kind of subcontracting out gigs, but that's what QuickBooks is for. We'll figure that out. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And and I'm sure you don't suck at those things. It's just you're not as strong. But as a leader, by delegating, you're still growing yourself. You're still learning from others. Yeah, and it's just... Delegating is a skill and creating an environment where delegation can work. And then I get to trust and respect that I can hand off this project or initiative to one of my teammates and not worry about it. I don't need to be in it or asking them because I trust him or her to do the work that's aligned with good works values, right? This idea of that we'll always be science-based, that we're always going to have stubborn optimism, that we're always going to, you know, move towards urgency with action. So delegating is one of those things I was not very good at. (laughs) Like that takes practice. But I think it really talks about the environment and the structure of the organization. And I learned a lot of lessons these past few years. And I'm fine making new mistakes. I just don't want to make those old mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. When you're thinking about the and reflecting on the experiences that you've had thus far, and they've been pretty varied, but all concentrated in one area, as you're building GoodWorks Lab, has anything surprised you? Because you have a plan, but you said maybe there wasn't a plan, but... Did anything pop up trying to build this that surprised you in any way? The surprising part was, I don't know why I say it's surprising, but I, again, if you look at the people on our team and it just took one call, it's like, hey, Kelly, you want to do this thing? I really don't know what it's, how it's going to work, but I want you on the team. She's like, sure, I'm in. And same thing with Bill and same thing with Kristen and same thing with Courtney. So I think that's the power of relationships. And I don't know why it surprises me. It's very humbling. And I love it. And we're actually, we're on a call with this firm out of DC and Courtney and Kristen were on the call with me. And these guys are professionals and look at, it's working. This is it. This is how it should go. And I just sit back there, not saying a word. And that was a pretty cool moment. This I was like, man, we're doing it. This is what it looks like. Yeah. I don't want to say it surprised me, but it kind of did. <laughs> well, you've touched on a few things that relate to my next question, but if you can extrapolate a little more on this. What makes Traverse City such a fertile ground for an organization like yours? I th- well, I have an opinion on that, Ryan. I was hoping you would. <laughs> I, 
what makes it a fertile ground. I think you look around this ecosystem of like organizations, entities working on social good, social issues. And I've been involved with Rotary Charities now for several years and the Community Foundation, Grand Traverse Regional Community Foundation, mm -hmm. Olson's Foundation, Huckle Family Foundation. There is a lot of people with a lot of money who care and they're very generous with those resources that spin up all sorts of amazing work led by amazing people. And I've never seen anything like it. I'm not that traveled, so I haven't lived in many places. But you talk about whoever came up with Rotary Charities, like whenever that happened in the 50s when they bought the land out east and then they would strike oil. And instead of maximizing off those profits, like, hey, I got an idea. Let's spin up social good enterprises to help us solve yeah. problems. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and they were trying to allocate the that space for a, a Boy Scouts of America type of piece. It was left, and they, they found oil. And yeah, it's it's the wealthiest rotary in in the yeah, world, I believe. What an incredible story, and yeah. how proud we should be. And I tell that story, like these people we were talking about this morning on DC, is like, this town is special because of these connections, people who are very generous with their time and money. So I think that's what makes it fertile ground. And then it's just this virtuous feedback loop. More good begets more good. It's like right. you get inspired. Because when I, I almost like, man, maybe I'll just go back and work physical therapy. I still have my license. And I was like, maybe I'll just go back and work. Your easy fallback, huh? Yeah. And it's a <laughs> fine job. But I still think I wanted more. And, and so Good Works Lab is an extension of that desire to, yeah. to continue to do more. And you mentioned family foundations here locally. And yeah, there is a lot of money here in Traverse City, but there's also the other side of that economic disparity in our area. So do you find that, that is an optimal situation for Good Works Lab? Is that difficult to navigate when you have, again, a large gap? Massive gap. And I think the gap is getting wider. I was just down here at Traverse Heights helping out at recess and talking to Principal K. And sometimes, and I was talking to Mark earlier about how we get in this bubble of affluence, of progressives. But outside of that little bubble is an entirely different world with people with a fraction of the choices that I and my sons get to have. And not because of their own choice, but because of the system of whatever system you want to talk about, wage inequality or access to care or where we get to live and where we don't get to live. I don't really know if you want to talk about Norte, but that's a, we could have done Norte all day long in Traverse City forever. And that would have been a piece of cake, but like, we have to go to Kalkaska. We have to go to Blair. Right. We have to go to, we have to go to Sutton's Bay because those are the kids who need it most. Yeah. We have a fair amount of guests on this podcast whose largest challenges lie in this area, in this access to information, access to books, school, access to internet. So it's interesting to hear your take on well, it. Just access to opportunity, right? Yeah. And the haves and the have nots. I'm trying not to come from a place of privilege, but then I go talk to like Kristen Morgan at Blair and it's like night and day. Yeah. I grew up out there and I went to Blair. Night and, and day. In like tribal terms, I think of things like Grand Traverse Band has its fair amount of poverty with our citizens, but we live somewhere where there's tourism, the casinos are viable, and we have grant writing staff to help us win other block grants, sustain our programs. But we get out there and you learn about some of these other tribes in desolate areas that they don't even have the technical expertise to get the grants in snowball. Like, like you don't even have enough to get the little to get more. Yeah. And it's a vicious feedback loop. You know, it's just a generational thing. Part of me is an optimist and I was like, man, maybe this pandemic is something that will help nudge us towards thinking and acting differently right. as a society. Yeah. And some days I go from, man, I think this is it. Like this is our once in a century opportunity. And then I read the record Eagle. I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, this is yeah. back to the same old bullshit. Here we are, <laughs> divided again. When you talked about a, a few different organizations that you're either working with or have worked with, when you were conceiving of Good Works Lab, was there one organization maybe in your mind that you aspirationally you wanted to work with and hoped would reach out or a, a list of them right off the bat that you thought we could really benefit this organization or I'd love to work with them? That's a good question. I did think of that. And I made a promise to myself that no offense to all the amazing people working in nonprofits, but I'm really not going to work in a nonprofit again. 
And that's not to say that there aren't some amazing, like the Land Conservancy. You look at the shining star, Glen Chown, that's preserving land. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I just said, there's a few things I'm not going to do, and I'm not going to start another nonprofit, nor am I going to likely work for another one. Sure. And that's okay. Ab and that's, absolutely. again, like this is a proof of concept that we can continue to solve problems, do good, while not leaning on that 501c3 structure that from there's, the 50s. There's still a bureaucracy that, that in between the private and government voids that nonprofits are there to fill the the, the gaps that governments leave, it's great that the nonprofits are there for it. And I aim to help nonprofits too, but remain as a for-profit business so mm -hmm. that... There's nothing wrong with that. To earn a living, to do what you're good at, to do what you like to do. Yeah. And it's almost weird talking about it because I don't know how to talk about it in a town that... Because it's, it's not a consultancy. We're not here to do strategic planning processing with right. you. We're here to improve lives better lives. Man, I'd like to work for all sorts of people, even North Ed. Like that guy's a smart guy. I think education, I like that I'm in TCAPs. Yeah. I even know that at the time, but public education is fascinating. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that should be their tagline, their new tagline. Public education's fascinating. I uh, had um, no idea. So I, I see the tag. Yeah. Are you an employee of TCAPs or a subcontractor? Yeah, I'm a contractor, but yeah. I still get this really cool Name tag. Yeah. I was at Central Grade today helping. So I've been Works Lab signed on for a year. And yeah. for the most part right now, it's me because I have the relationships with the principals, teachers, social workers. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out what this new ecosystem is as it relates to changing the odds in favor of healthy, happy kids and staff. Awesome. I'm not, I'm uh, contracted. But, but sometimes when you are a consultant or a contractor, the good thing for a governmental entity like a school system to take on an outside, to outsource something to a private vendor is you're not bound by the same policies. And sometimes those policies are just as simple as at five o'clock, if you're freeling it and you want to keep working, you work all night long on the project you're working on versus certain yeah. entities have policies, five o'clock, day is done, go home. Yeah, I hope this wellness coordinator job sustains. The more I learn about it, the more I really think it's a critical it's, position. You know, it, 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 it is. So I hope that when Good Works Lab is gone, that's that we've set the foundation for this to be a forever position. Because again, it used to be like priority number six, maybe on some assistant principal's yeah. duties, but it is important. Yeah, I signed up to help with. Well, the, the so that's a reimagined, reenvisioned health and wellness com committee okay. that is full of community members, parents, teachers, professionals. So everybody will forgive me for not remembering the full title because it's a mouthful. <laughs> but well, one of the things is that why it's so close to my heart is one, I'm an open book. I'm a high school dropout. And I was a very anxious kid and I acted out in very negative ways in school my whole life. And I had no idea until I saw my own kids acting the same way. It took decades before I recognized that I was a scared kid. Like I felt inferior and I felt like I didn't have my place. And so having access to individuals like yourself is really important for an anxious child. I had a son that was, he's very anxious. He graduated, but we had a hard time getting him through. But at one point I got him to take a summer job with one of my neighbors who you kind of remind me of very inspiring person, very positive, keeps the energy, knows how to put a smile on the face when you have to. And I just knew like, dude, you, you got to go work with him. I think it's very important that in the schools, the kids have more access to that because I'm hearing too many more stories, like a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that, Mark. Yeah. Those stories are important. And I'm a firm believer in relationships. And what I like is I hear it from principals. I hear it from administration now how important one caring adult, regardless if there's not even your dad, yeah. or your teacher. And like, and that's why I just continue to have conversations around, like it's, everybody has a role to play. Right? Yeah. We're going to hop in the way back machine for a little bit, not way back. I'm going to dust some cobwebs off some memories a little bit, but you've got a master's in physical therapy from the University of North Dakota. Is that correct? Fighting Sue. Now the Fighting Hawks, I believe. Excellent. Mm -hmm. What was motivating you back then? What was driving you? Obviously, you went to school and you 
entered a vocation that correlates to, to what you studied in school, which is rare for people. What was driving you back then? It's a good question. I, I have a senior now, and I often try to put myself back in when I was a senior, and I really didn't know. I had no clue. Manitoba is a different province in that we have just three public universities versus Michigan. Of course, it's a fraction of the size. Michigan, mm -hmm. it seems like it has 400 universities or colleges. And I just didn't want to go to University of Brandon or University of Winnipeg, University of Manitoba. My dad was American, so I have dual citizenship. So I'm like, I don't know, Grand Forks sounds cool. It's further south, therefore it might be warmer. And I went down there with a couple of my buddies from Dauphin and was a wildlife and fishery major when I showed up at school, because of course I would love to just be a park ranger or something. And then I take a course in the intro to PT, and I'm like, this is amazing. I don't know. So it was just luck how you fall into something. But it's very science-based, but also arts and social-based. You get to really connect with people and help. Yeah. You've mentioned your dad. Mm -hmm. And in a recent Record Eagle article, you mentioned how you spent your childhood in the 51st parallel. And you said, quote, thanks to my dad, I was able to explore it fully. Mm -hmm. How did he encourage you? He was an outside dad. He grew up in Aberdeen, South Dakota. He was a basketball star. And thanks for asking. I love talking about my dad. He was a basketball star. He went to school uh, at University of Mary in Bismarck, married a girl from Saskatchewan, comes up to teach PE in, in a small rural Manitoba town. And we are fortunate to live north of a, a Canadian national park called Riding Mountain National Park. And it's like the best. So I encourage both of you. And Manitoba gets a dozen, not a bunch of accolades that BC or Alberta gets with the Rockies, but Manitoba is special. Interesting no. little insight into the hierarchy of Canadian popular cities. There is some like, big brother, little brother. Your, your dad's story kind of sounds like it would make a great TV show, to be honest. But you also said, and, and I thought that this was really interesting, that he didn't fish or hunt, but he was 100% an outdoor dad. Mm -hmm. And that resonates, I think, here because this is a big hunting and fishing area. Mm. And if you're not into that, myself included, not that there's anything wrong with it, but there's still other things that can make you an outdoor dad, right? Yeah. Canoeing, hiking, camping. And we did all of it. I don't know why he wasn't into hunting or fishing because all my buddies' dads did. And it's funny. I don't know. Maybe his dad didn't do it. I'm not sure. But that's the type of dad I want to be. I want to explore this place fully. And for my kids to get older, man, my dad took us everywhere. Yeah. And this... Northern Michigan, there's places that are just within 100 miles that I haven't yet been to. Like, I haven't been to the Jordan Valley, River Valley, and I see photos of that, and I was like, that's amazing. We're going. It is incredible <laughs> to know <laughs> that you've probably only seen a fraction of our area, and it would take yeah. probably a lifetime to yeah. explore it all. Always happens. But you go visit somewhere else, and you hit every single thing there when you go visit a different state. But come home and realize oh, there's people in New York that, you know, haven't been to the top of the rock or to the sure, Statue yeah. of Liberty. Or, I will say during the lockdown, though, we visited a lot of new places. And I'm very grateful for that. So that was a silver lining in the spring of Well, that was a benefit. Mark mentioned tourism. And, and this is an outdoor area. So, again, everybody's leaning into even during COVID, come to the outdoors. Four seasons, you can be outside. Looking, shifting back to Good Works Lab. Initially on the website, it says you help organizations and citizen-led initiatives. Differences in working between the two? Mark mentioned bureaucracy. Is there less bureaucracy with citizen-led initiatives, or is it a little bit of both? I believe that everybody has a role to play, and everybody can contribute, regardless of you're affiliated with an organization or not. And this idea of neighbors helping neighbors. And Again, I'm experimenting with that network of a citizen-led network to drive change, specifically around this youth mental health aspect we're mm -hmm. putting together. But no offense to the generals and lieutenants at some of our massive entities, organizations, but I think what's missing in this town is to be able to prop and support and amplify citizen voices. An example, I think, is the parkway, right? The parkway was a mistake as far as the public input and outreach and no offense to anybody, but somebody forgot to talk to the people. Ask the people what they wanted. MDOT says, well, we talked to these two organizations that we thought represented the people. 
and that's wrong. And when I heard 37 people showed up for these public input sessions in November, I'm like, holy fuck, like, we got to start paying attention. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a recurring theme too, is public input sessions that yeah. 10 or, people show up to. Yeah. And maybe they don't care or maybe they're not paying attention and that's fine. But I think it, go, it can also get to where it's counterproductive, right? Yeah. Where yeah. it's just too much. I think citizen-led initiatives, Good Works Lab wants to help with whatever that means. It could be very messy, very messy. Almost like, ooh, don't do it like that. <laughs> yeah. But there's several of them that, that I'd like to help. And I'd like the professionals in the Good Works Lab team to help. Yeah. You have a very, I think, diverse and impressive team. And again, you said initially it was just calling people you knew, but I feel like there had to be some kind of plan, some kind of perfect cocktail. Is there a perfect cocktail for creating the perfect kind of team to move an organization like Good Works Lab forward? Perfect cocktail. Well, or were you just grabbing everybody who said, yeah, no, case? I wasn't saying, I was like, what are the skills we need? What are the skills that we need to say, start a, a campaign or initiative around affordable housing. We need a communicator. We need a, a facilitator. We need someone who can build a website. We need somebody who can write words for that website. We need someone who can, I don't want to do any of those things, but I know we need to. So I think the cocktail comes from those different skill sets that people are really good at and they like to do it and they can make a living doing it. I also like the idea of artists, so we're experimenting with that a little bit. Like we're going to get a, a, a teacher from U of M who's a poet. I just think there's different ways to do it. I think there's different skills when we start, say we partner with Grand Traverse County for the Senior Center is one example. Like can we help turn that into an age integrated? I'm all for senior centers. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be old here shortly. But can we talk about integrated communities or better communities? And in there are people on the team who I think can help tell that story better than I can. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. As, as you were developing Good Works Lab, and I'm not looking for any dirt, but were there any barriers or any roadblocks that you saw that you had to address ahead of time that would have maybe impeded your success? Yeah. Or is this just a fun and fancy free no, place that I mean, we all think it is? You can imagine the roadblocks. I think the roadblocks, you can overcome them with trust and respect. Roadblocks being money, like being very transparent about money, how money gets moved around and how and when people get paid and how it's coming in. But I just lean towards transparency. Here's the contract that's coming in. Here's the amount of money that's going to go to the business. Here's the amount of money that's going to go to this teammate or that teammate. I think that those initial conversations, because I didn't know, I've never done this before. I've never run an LLC. I don't even know what it means to have a subcontractor or have uh, professional service agreements. That's why we've got Mike Naughton, the, the attorney. But everybody yeah. listening know he has everybody around him. Who knows? So <laughs> we're not taking advantage. <laughs> yeah. There were some barriers, and I think there will continue to be barriers. And I think I like learning as we go. I think that's fine. Makes First, it exciting. I mean, yeah. And you don't need a scenario plan every little thing that can go wrong. There's going to be a shit ton of things that are going to go wrong. Yeah. And this may be a very pedestrian thing to ask, but is this a better ecosystem in which Good Works Lab can thrive over a larger city? Let's say Grand Rapids, let's say even larger? Oh yeah. I think th these type of for-profit social change agencies happen across the U.S. I'm not entirely sure where they're based, but this model is not a Teichmitt model. So I think of course it can. And the question is, will people invest in it to be determined question that have, we've yet to determine? Like right. we have a few projects and money coming in, but when I go out and make the case about why this is the return on this investment and this is the value this team can bring you, yeah. still up in the air. Because again, Ryan, we're only three months into this thing. <laughs> well, this is the best time to talk about it, really. <laughs> you focus in on three key areas, community health and wellness, mobility and walkability slash bikeability, and climate environment and sustainability. Were those three things that you had ready to go? Or did that come with collaborative efforts once you started getting 
folks on board. When I hear you reading them out, I'm like, holy shit, those are some big problems. Those are the big issues. Like they maybe are. just pick one tie. <laughs> 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 no, but those are the things I care about, Ryan. Those are the things. You brought, this is from yeah, Ty. This these is... are my values. These are things that are important to me. I also believe they're important to Northern Michigan, especially health, right? Especially wellness. I guess if I drill it down, you can intersect all of these things with every single one of them and make a case that health is about climate, health is about how we get around, health is about how we design cities around people right. instead of cars. So those are my values. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of conviction there. And I think that's critical. So in this regard, as you're building an organization and a team, which you've already done, again, a very impressive group of people, and you can look at the website and see who's involved, how do you ensure that those are aligned with you? And people can interview, right? And people can, even friends, colleagues. So how do you really know that those people are with you on this mission? Yeah, and that's... That's a great question. I think there's, again, lots of ways this goes wrong and that can be one of them where someone, so everybody on this team has day jobs. That's what I want to be clear. These are all people with day jobs who I went to said, say, hey, I'm starting this thing. Do you want more work? And they said, yes. My second question is like, these are our values. Do these values line up with your moral compass? Are you cool with these? They're like, yes. These are all people I knew already and had built relationships with. I think what gets tricky is we just had this paper in the Record Eagle on Sunday, and now there's lots of people saying, hey, I want to get involved with this. I think my skill set would be good for the Good Works Lab. So then I need to really think about who we're bringing on and be really smart about it because it could be very positive, but then something happens and someone's affiliated with Good Works Lab, and that's the end of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reflects on everyone. For sure. Everyone. <laughs> and and yeah. or, and I think... Ryan knows how it feels to be excited. Like I see all kinds of things and are excited. Like what you just said, like I'm sitting here thinking, how can I be involved? But I'll have a tendency to spread myself way too thin. And I think a lot of people do that. And, and because you want to be involved, it's inspiring. It's yeah. exciting. And so you got to really be able to assess that was, that. that was the first question. Do you want more work? And I think what's interesting about it is that we only have one team member per skill set. We don't have an audio guy. Okay, I'm just saying. No. But we, we bring the work back and then the, whatever the needs are, we bring that to that first person. Yeah. They have first right of first refusal. But then we have a bench of sure. others. I mean, you're probably asking, what happens if no one's on the bench can do it either? And I think we'll cross that bridge later. But yeah. I think all of these people said yes. They're all very successful consultants that do work across the U.S. They're like, yes, I want more work and I want the work here. I want to contribute to my community. Yeah. And that was something that resonated. Yeah. The way that you have, and I'm glad you touched on it, it has this feeling bringing in artists of this almost a 60s collective feel. Was there any inspiration there for you on that? I'm not the very cultured, to be honest, artsy person, but I see the creatives that are, they inspire me and I want to be closer to them without really knowing exactly how it could work or should work. But I just see like really- way of putting that. I mean, like, <laughs> really? I just find these creatives to be just very talented. I just want them to be on the team and then I can go to somebody and like, man, I got this, this talented artist and she's amazing and she can write or paint or, or create something visual that will- to help you drive whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Yeah. The artists and the poets, they see the world a certain way and yeah. that's what allows them to create and that's what inspires us. And I, I think it is important to keep them around so that you can help maintain perspective on. It also feels like you, you have a more, more diverse portfolio of offerings. How many for-profit businesses or regular entities could offer something yeah. like that? A if resident, somebody needed a, resident a haiku, poet. a resident like poet. really bad. <laughs> I got somebody. to win, but, and, and not, you know, trying to make light, but it, it does seem very unique. And I think uh, a great advantage to Good Works Lab. Yeah. To Mark points too. I, I never thought about that, but I, I do also want to be close to them, learn. And I grow, I'm like 45 now. And I think I just try to realize that I want to be more collaborative. I want to learn alongside people. And there's some amazing people out there. I mean, this guy, Eric Gladstone, the statistician who just moved here, you talk about genius level 
He's a statistician. Yeah, like a PhD from Cornell or something. I would join <laughs> beyond measure sometime with somebody like that. Smart yeah. dude. Yes, yeah, especially since I like successfully got all the way through a master's degree avoiding taking statistics. <laughs> like I did everything I could to show prior research papers that like eh, I don't need the higher math class. Can I just? I think that's a fascinating class. Yeah. And and on that note, and you talked about this before. You solve complex problems with science, urgency, and stubborn optimism. You start (laughs) with science. I thought that was interesting, especially in the climate that we've been through. Have you found opening with science challenging? No. I'm going to like hold very firm to that. You're right. Facts matter. Science matters. We're going to keep repeating that till we're blue in the face. Let's invest in evidence-based research solutions. I'm going to keep drilling that, right? Evidence is an important word, too. Yeah. That's Evidence. You know. Empirical, decision-making, data. You know, that comes from my PT standpoint, where everything has research and evidence behind it. A lot of things don't, and I would see some clinicians doing some of this stuff that has really no science behind it. I didn't say anything, but I'm like, dude, that's... Maybe it's placebo effect and maybe there's validity to that, but... That's still science. It's still science. (laughs) When you use the term social science, what do you mean by that? Social science, I don't know anything about it, but it is fascinating. Psychology, anthropology, political science. Sociology in there as well. Sociology, but there is some heavy science. Research, testing, validity, reliability, peer-reviewed. And I just, so I got this new framing fellowship through Rotary and the science behind how we communicate and how we as Americans, not just what we think about, but how we think about certain issues. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. Well, sometimes it's just as basic as you got your kid and how they act with you when they're little. And then you send them to the neighbor's house to play and they're like, guys. Oh, such a great little guy. Like, wait, what? I listen to you? <laughs> yeah. What I find really fascinating about your journey, your pursuit, and with missions like this in general, is there are business aspects of it. You have to build a website. You need to market. So when you were approaching the marketing for the organization, how did you approach the look and feel? You've got to explain what you do. But if somebody doesn't know what initiative impact assessments are or coalition building is, but you still have to put that on there. How did you approach the marketing and the look and feel of uh, Good Works Lab? Yeah, well, the, the look and feel is simple, and that's Chelsea B. Dennis, who is a talented, amazing Good Works Lab colleague. So she came up with the branding. But the talking about, especially as we go get work, and, and I've never, ever been the go get work guy, so it's kind of interesting. But I, Mike Brown, one of my mentors... He's an awesome dude. He's, he's the go-get-work guy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be the go-get-work guy. So as I go and meet with foundations or investors and we make the case for why this model can be the right model. From schools to government to private businesses, including Market the City, you look at all of them and you talk about what are some of their strategic goals, health, housing, climate, mobility, it's not like we're nitpicking things that came out of the pandemic, but when I go meet and we talk about the city, like we're the right fit for you and we can do so with urgency and science Absolutely. and optimism. Well, you're clearly very altruistic. You've shared a ton of the credit with everybody else and very humble, but is there one word of, of what it's taken to make this happen? It could be fortitude. It could be anything that listeners could get inspired by. What's one thing that has really driven you, a word that you could say that has defined your success in this journey for Good Works Lab? I would say uh, persistence would be a good word. Persistence in keeping on, keeping the main thing despite all sorts of distractions or barriers. So I'm very persistent in that way. So maybe sometimes to a fault. I'm also impatient, also to a fault. I was at some Zoom meeting and somebody asked that same question to somebody and the guy before me says, I'm very patient. And I'm like, I'm very impatient. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, there is no perfect recipe for success. We talked about a cocktail, right? And yeah. so you're obviously aligning yourself with the right, the right ingredients. Uh, you mentioned Mike Brown as a mentor. What to you makes somebody 
rise to the level of a mentor? Oh man, I have been so lucky to have this tribe of mentors these past few months around me. And Mike Brown is one of them, Tony Anderson, Bob Otwell, Matt Bullock. Because what I went through is not unique or different or special. And be able for them to donate their time generously and talk through some of these things, it meant the world to me when I needed it most. And so I am eternally grateful to them and I write them cards all the time and let them know that I continue to appreciate them. And what I think Good Works Lab is an extension of them because I just want to burn it down. And they were there for me and talked me through it and are still there for me. So it's amazing. That's incredible. And you mentioned writing them cards, like handwriting. Everybody listen. Laura Otwell. Laura Otwell taught me that lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Important lesson. It's very impressive. And so thinking about mentors, thinking about your journey along the way as a business leader, a business builder, creator, looking back, were you ever given advice by somebody that at the time seemed insane and not applicable, but now you're like, that was totally spot on? Well, advice, the advice I received in October, which was along the lines of everything happens for a reason type stuff. At the time, I thought it was bullshit, but I think it was the right advice. And to think and to play the long game and to stay true to your friends and family. And that advice was a very common theme through my tribe of mentors. It's funny how, like, I don't know, like when you're in it, advice seems dumb. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. I don't ask that question all the time, but that's a really unique one. I like that. I thought you were going to have to tell him like, and I don't mean like when you were a teenager and your dad would give you advice because all of us later are like, oh. It's just reflection. Along the way on this primarily or in a lot of ways nonprofit journey and to this enterprise, were there any polls, any job offers outside of that sector that were hard to turn down that you think about every once in a while that had to gain attention from folks? Were there people who trying to take you away from all this? Well, and... sure. And again, how lucky am I to be able to turn down six job offers in those first few weeks? At the time, I wasn't ready. And I still stand by that that was the right choice. And a lot of those jobs would have taken me from Traverse City. So that was on the table for yeah. a little while. I think, again, everything happens for a reason. It's almost like it's meant to be because I'm happy. I love what I'm doing. So I think I'm pretty proud of all those choices in the past few months. Yeah. I, I saw a really compelling 9 and 10 news interview with you. And I uh, don't want it to be too heavy, but I really honed in on the reason for your mission and talking about the well-being of our youth and, and students and the, the children who've had such a tough time. And, and you said you had to deal with the suicide of four kids and you didn't want to, quote, go to any more funerals, which was really compelling. And so how do you try to keep yourself and your team in a healthy place of well-being while dealing with so much tragedy, so many challenging situations? It's still hard for me to talk about, but four boys I knew, boys I, I had conversations with, rode bikes with, took their lives these past few years. And it's, I, and I don't remember ever, and I was asking my friends back home, like, I don't remember anybody. I don't even know if I've said the word suicide out loud before. And it's just like, what is going on? And I don't have the answers or, I don't, I don't know anything about anything. And it, and, and it there's a lot to know. It is a different world, behavioral health, mental health. But after Ben's funeral, I was like, fuck, I, I don't, I, like my eyes were open. And I went out to lunch with these seniors or these, you know, now seniors from Central and had pizza with them. And I'm like, I was just hungry. Like, are you okay? What is happening? But I don't know how you keep us healthy in a world where there is so much sadness and tragedy. It's not easy. I'm looking for advice and I don't. Well, in a lot of ways, you can look back on 
what positives may have come out of the last two and a half, I'd say even three years, maybe four, maybe six. But a lot of it turns to art. A lot of it turns to music. This is where the tortured artist comes from. And I don't think necessarily good art needs to come from a place of pain. But I think the fact that you're encouraging art in your organization may help. But just being an adult or being an organization that somebody can turn to and know that there's help out there, I think, is a good thing. Do you have members of your organization on the lookout for other things in this regard? And do you think that this is going to become maybe the primary focus of the organization at some point? Very well be. And I think the system meant to protect our kids' mental health is broken. And the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, it's broken. And for nobody's fault, but it's designed to be messed up. And kids especially are suffering, right? And I don't, again, have any of the answers. And then the Surgeon General's advisory comes out right at that same time. And I'm like, this is it right here. This is the science-based, research-based optimism. Because in there are some good things, like you mentioned, some Mm -hmm. silver linings. 11 teams, 11 things what to do. This is what we're going to do. So I put my hand up. 600 people have now put their hand up. Say, we've broken up into different teams. And we're going to start acting. Yeah. The State of the Union yesterday or the day before mentioning youth mental health and the resources coming. I would just want us to be ready. I want the school districts to be ready. I want Munson to be ready. So when this money comes, we're ready and we take all of it. Yeah. <laughs> and we invest in social workers what and mental health. What a great point. What a great point to be ready for the gifts you're given or, or the opportunities that you're given. I think there's a lot of vision there. And speaking of vision, how much stock do you put in the importance of vision as a leader? Well, I think vision is everything, right? And I think a vision is what do we hope to accomplish in 10 or 20 years? How about a Northern Michigan where everyone plays a role in protecting our kids' mental health? I think that's a vision of where people get to live or choose to live where they work is a vision. Mm-hmm. I think equitable decisions around how we get around. And as long as you stay true to your vision, your purpose and your values, I think it's hard to go wrong. And it's easy to get off the rails a little bit and you gotta be reflective and have some self-awareness like, ooh, and shit, maybe that's not quite, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're somebody who seems very self-aware and in it. your 2017 TED Talk, I thought it was fascinating. You talked about uh, getting away from the insanity of consumerism and that you've led a life full of questionable choices, which I thought was an interesting admission. And you sought a life that prioritized balance, maybe over the material things. Do you still maintain that positioning? And is where Good Works Lab headed going to enable you to continue to do well, that's that? That's a good question. Because I'll be perfectly honest, I was like off the rails. I had no balance during 2020, 2021, like zero. And I was like so in it and my head down driving that there was no balance. So I feel a little hypocritical about that of that was when I was, when my first son was born, was kind of like this moment of soon after my dad passed away, can I spend less to work less, even though I like my job, but work less to do more, be a better dad, be a better husband, be a better neighbor. So I like you reminding me of that because I think it's a good check-in because that's what it's about. And during my sabbatical, I was talking like back to basics. That was my affirmation. Back to basics. Your mantra? Yeah, Back my mantra. Basics. Back to basics, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, you really painted a, a great picture of dual-income household and the two nice cars and the closets full of nice clothes. And I think that's very relatable because so many people are pursuing the almighty dollar and pursuing. But do you think that the tribulation of the last couple of years, and yeah, I know a lot of things have created division amongst us, but do you think maybe another silver lining of the last two years is it is shedding more spotlights on organizations like yours doing good and maybe pushing more young people into your field? Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly hope so. And I also hope that we don't forget what we just went through. And that sometimes I sense that we are already forgetting what we just went through. So quick. (laughs) So quick. And that we don't go back to business as usual and we're not and good works lab is not a business of 2019 and any young person interested in the social sciences or even 
uh, social work. Like I want social workers to make so much money. We need them so yeah. badly right now. We need counselors. Yeah, I do feel like that role was a marginalized role 100%. before. And every, oh, it's the school social worker. But now, 100%. totally different story. You look at, I remember like making a joke. Like if you want a degree and earn the least amount of money, be a social worker. And that's awful. So I hope that our priorities have changed. And as young people consider what's next for them, this next generation of Gen Z or whatever we're in right now, that they also don't forget what they also just went through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're in this great place. Good Works Lab is, is I think, coming along, and it sounds like you have a vision and, and you know where you're going. And thinking about that balance, what's the next outdoor pursuit you'd like to explore that you haven't yet? I, or have I, you done them all? Is, I like the pursuit. I like that pursuit. I want to keep saying because it is a pursuit, right? We're after something. We're on brand here. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a pursuit. Do you mean outdoor in like activities or? Yeah, yeah either way, because. I live outside. I don't drive a car, Ryan. So I spend my time walking and biking this beautiful town all day long. But I always make a, a pact with myself, with my boys, that I want to camp more. I have yet to be the, to the Manitous. And Carter's leading. Carter's go. a senior. So this is our, kind of our last hurrah. So I want to go backpack the Manitous. There you go. So, but there's a long bucket list, man. <laughs> really, there is. And I think that bucket list came during the lockdown. Like, I'm never going to take outside for granted again. I'm never going to say I'm bored again. And every opportunity to get outside and explore, I'm like, bored. let's go. I'm, I'm never bored. bored. <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> and finally, from that TED Talk, I just have to ask, you look great, but are you still shopping at the thrift store or, or have you... Um, kind of moved out of that. No, I love the thrift store. And you know, I wear hand-me-downs, so I'm wearing my son's wrestling hoodie right now. But I, I think the best shirts are those worn by your friends first. So I have a lot of hand-me-down shirts and pants that I just... And there's no shame, Ryan. <laughs> I agree. Like, there's never have shame in hand-me-down clothes. I'm like, yes, I'll, those pants don't fit me more. Let me try them. I'll take them. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we may not have touched? No, I really appreciate this, though. And I think it's... I hope that everybody looks around and, and asks themselves what can they do for the young person in their life to make sure that they ask them authentically, how are you doing? Are you okay? Absolutely. Uh, every day. And the website is goodworkslab.org, correct? That's correct. And again, I know it's early, but how are ways individuals can support or maybe donate or are there any ways that people can support Good Works Lab at well, this point. 100%. So We Fight Northern Michigan is a citizen-led self-organizing network around mental health. So that I would love for them to plug in there. We also have a new coalition called Live TC to start advocating for abundant housing on Traverse City's eight square miles. We're trying to make the parkway more people-centric. So those are three little examples for Traverse City and surrounding area. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, Ty, thank you so much for your pursuits. And to all of those who pursue along with you, ensuring our youth's mental health needs are supported and our communities safer, healthier, and maybe just a little more understanding and kinder each day Yeah, is thank, what I'm feeling. Thank you, right? And to our listeners, thank you all so much and thank you for pursuing the positive. Thank you again for listening to the Pursuit of Podcast, the Pursuit of Good Works Lab. This has been Udayan in for Mark Wilson. For more information or to get involved with Good Works Lab, visit goodworkslab.org or send an email to hello at goodworkslab.org. And as always, for all things audio, video, and podcast production, visit newliner.com.